Welcome back to another episode of Suds and Cinema. My name is Kyle. This is episode 169, and today we have a special episode. We are going to be doing a retro review, and uh, Jacob and Josh were unavailable for this, so we had to bring on a very special guest. It is Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. Brad, how you doing? Doing great. Good to be here. Uh, just want to lower everybody's expectations, though. You said special guest, special episode. Nothing special about it. This is uh, this is lower your expectations. Is all I'm saying. Surprise, motherfuckers! I'm back. <laughs> no, Brad. This is very special. We have you on, and it is episode 169. Oh, huge! The sexual thrill. The sexual thrill. So, I mean, that alone deserves a special mention. I'm honored. If you write that out, don't type it out. If you write it out, you could view it as I-69. Yeah, yeah. We should have, I mean, we should have maybe gone with more of like a sexual thriller uh, than what we went with. Well, I mean, (laughs) uh, we'll get into it, but yeah, yeah. there's some sexual thrills, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, so we're talking Deliverance from 1972. A little retro review. I threw it out as uh, just as an option, the first option, and Brad said, "Yes, I love that movie. Let's do it." I'm a Deliverance expert. Uh, you know, this, this is actually the the fourth podcast I've reviewed Deliverance on this week. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. when you're reviewing Deliverance, you know who to call. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anything new with you? What's what's been going on? I when mean, was that... the last time? What was we were on? Was it uh, 65? I think it was the um, last one. No, it would have been uh, Little Mermaid and um, Boogeyman. Oh, yeah, Boogeyman. Yes, yeah. you can remember that. Yeah. The, Good call. Huge, it, didn't it go like, it was like almost th- four hours or three hours? <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you have two bangers like that, you had a lot to say. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you, I think you kind of felt bad because we like went, up, went upstairs afterwards and you were like, shit, I didn't realize it was like... 11 30 p.m and i'm like dude i was i know i wasn't gonna stop man i was the one that was going harder than anyone i was like let's keep going on the boogeyman i was like i'm so sorry (laughs) to drive two hours home like oh man i think that was on a did we do that on a sunday too you had to work the next day probably probably yeah yeah it's worth it though Uh, see i don't remember the the morning after that's the thing you never remember the morning after it's always you remember the good times the night before that's true that's a good point that is a good point but uh, yeah, that's how you know this guy is committed. He's committed to the bit. Absolutely, and, uh, I love it. I'll I'll mention because uh, there's nothing new with me. I mean, not really. Um, but I will say, in relation to the show, um, I did uh, recently go to a brewery for the first time that I'd never been to. Whoa, um, Detroit yeah. Beer Company in Detroit. Okay, yeah, and uh, I did see that it looked like uh, you and. I think Jacob or Josh had been there before as well. Um, but yeah, I went down, uh, had a concert on a Saturday night and, you know, we could have gone to any number of restaurants, but I said, I got to log some beers. So I looked up breweries near me 
Um, my girlfriend, she's vegan. So I was like looking for the breweries with the best vegan options. And this one had a few. So I said, let's do it. And, uh, it was, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, cool vibe, pretty small place, but, uh, none of the beers blew me away from what I tried. Um, but there are a few good ones I had. I, th- I think the sour was my favorite, but that's just, um, my favorite style out of the ones I chose. Yeah. Uh, Detroit Beer Co. is pretty middle of the road in all senses of the word but um yeah it's it's a cool place and a cool atmosphere i mean you're downtown at least i mean at least you didn't go to atwater just so props to you for avoiding atwater are, are we boycotting atwater or oh not boycotting them i say yeah we have like a more of like a personal vendetta against them because their beer is so trash but yeah um, yeah yeah well they're also further away from it was at little caesar's and it's like I, I oh, have yeah. to drive all the way over there, park, and then drive all the way over back here. And so I'm like, fuck that. Well, what was the um, show? Don't leave us hanging. Uh, Duran Duran. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember. Okay. So, yeah. Listeners of your show will will remember <laughs> that <laughs> classic, the classic yeah. uh, Russell impression from. Yeah, Black of course. Week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pretty good. But no, Pretty yeah, good. it was it was fun. Um, yeah. So cool vibe, cool place. Uh, no, yeah. None of the beers blew me away, but I, I'd go back. Um, and there were there were a few other ones kind of in the walkable area that i was thinking if we had time maybe we'd stop at another one just to have one um but we were uh you know i i had to get i had to get merch so i said we got to get in there we got to get we got to beat the crowds yeah uh in terms of like downtown like in your area i don't know of any really good ones the best ones that i know of in detroit are like more on the outskirts Mm -hmm. of town uh like eastern market that area but um yeah, well, cool. I think the neighborhood uh, featured in Barbarian has a real good brewery. Um, just it's not in the movie; it's just like right on the like outside of the frame. Um, they, you know, they had to crop that out for you know, uh, just for the atmosphere. Kind of really yeah, kill the vibe. If there's just a yeah. <laughs> gentrified brewery, like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's my that's next on my list. Well, cool. Yeah, they should uh, name a beer after like mommy's milk or something, you know, <laughs> <That's good>. like, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, not a lot new here. As I mentioned, I've been in the process of moving, got all my furniture over. So we're in a, we're, we're close to a full setup here. I can, can safely say, uh, this will be the last time I record in this rickety chair and this, uh, mic stand of books I'm a big book guy now, but I can only, uh, as I mentioned, we're doing deliverance because it's next up in uh, cinema speculation. Um, and I have been reading it, but I can only read if, uh, if the book is about film, otherwise I'm illiterate. So yeah. Who wants to read about, you know, like cultures and history, like that's, that stuff's boring. Yeah. No, just unless it's philosophy of the matrix, I will read that. But, uh, no, well, nothing else. So I just real quick, not to get, get off track, um, but I guess I'm here, so that's probably par for the course. Um, so, so this is featured in Cinema Speculation because I have that book and I haven't even read it. I haven't even read books on film. Um, <laughs> I haven't even cracked it open. It is uh, chapter four, I believe. Okay. So I, did, I just realized this the other day, but uh, they go in chronological order, the movies do. Mm-hmm. So I started with 
Well, it has like a, a pretty lengthy intro from Quentin Tarantino just like discussing his childhood um, growing up around the era of New Hollywood. And then uh, I think it's Bullet, Dirty Harry, and then Deliverance. So I am watching them as I go. Um, I figured out after I did the Bullet chapter that it would be better to watch the movie before reading it um, to avoid spoilers and things like that if you've never seen it. Uh, you've probably seen a lot of the movies in here, though. I I wouldn't give myself that much credit. Um, yeah, I had well. seen Deliverance before, but uh, uh, I haven't seen Dirty Harry or Bullet. So or I mean, Bullet? I'm, okay, hmm. I'm one for three out of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's a great excuse to force you to watch them if you if you needed one. So, uh, yeah, if you have the book, check it out. It's it's really funny too, just knowing Quentin Tarantino wrote it, and obviously seeing a lot of interviews with him knowing his cadence and how he talks and everything it's it's very obvious like this is something that Quentin Tarantino would write like I'm reading it in his voice almost and it's it's just uh it you know it flows how he talks and like the things that he would say you're like oh yeah Quentin Tarantino definitely wrote this yeah yeah I I have that and I haven't cracked open and also the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I haven't cracked that Um, open either so you know, you I, I buy these books to look cultured <laughs> and then never, never read them. Yeah, well, I mean, I uh, honestly never been much of a reader. But um, yeah, I mean, if it like I said, if it's about film, I don't know if I could do a novelization because it's just like a story. I would rather I like reading things that uh, to like to learn more, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, if it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if it was something that like I've seen, then it's easier to follow along and get more out of but uh yeah i'd be interested in checking that out yeah but find it uh at your local library (laughs) (laughs) a library card i have a library card so i could get watch canopy yeah exactly okay um anything else uh no nothing else new with me that's that that's all that's all i had to bring that's i'm I'm tapped at this point well let's get into our featured beer so I kind of left it up to Brad. I was like, I don't know, um, you know, what's going to be available or uh, or what you have around you. And this guy just fucking comes back and hits me with the best tie-in I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Bing bong. And he's like, how about Backwoods Bastard? And I said, great. Easy to find. It's delicious. Um, it'll be great for 10 a.m. And uh, we'll get into it when we talk about the movie but uh quite a good quite a good tie in here so yeah um it was uh first one that came to mind um and uh yeah i'm excited i've never had it before so i'm excited to finally try it i mean i don't think i've ever had it before um i mean this was pre pre untapped you might have had it yeah Uh, well (laughs) because you know like i went to college over in the grand rapids area so we'd go to founders um so I mean I had I had plenty of nights where I don't remember what the hell happened or what the hell I drank. There's there's a good chance I might have ordered this and probably if I was that deep into the night I might have had two sips and you know pushed it away from me. But uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, we'll see. All right. Well, I will read the description here. Uh, Backwoods Bastard is a Scotch ale slash wee heavy, uh, clocking in at eleven percent ABV and fifty IBUs. Uh, details read expect uh, expect lovely warm smells of single malt scotch oaky bourbon barrels smoke sweet caramel and roasted malts a bit of earthy spice and a scintilla of dark fruit 
It's a kickback sipper made to excite the palate. Scintilla. The interesting adjective. Scintilla. Never heard that word. Is it sin or is it skin? It's got to be sin, right? The C is kind of like silent. (laughs) Well, uh, scintillating is sparkling or shining brightly, but I don't think that's it. I'm going to just change that to scintilla. Scintilla is a tiny trace or spark of specified quality or feeling. So they just had to bust out the thesaurus on that one. Seems okay. like a word Tarantino would use in his book, to be honest. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a uh, scintilla of racism. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, I've, I have definitely had this, but I don't have it checked in, which is interesting. Because I think the last version that I had of this was, which I was talking to you about, was the French toast backwoods bastard. Mm. And I don't think I've had the regular one pre when I was using um, untapped regularly, which has been a few years now. But um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I, I did my research and I lo- when I before I suggested it, I was like, let me check on untapped and well, if I, see if, if I they, had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Jacob had logged it, but I, I didn't see uh, you or Josh. So I'm like. Must not have Jacob been definitely, Yeah, he's definitely had it. He's a fan of it. Um, Josh is less of a fan. And I have a mixed relationship with Scotch Ales. Um, but from what I remember, I like this one. And it is coming in at 4.11 out of 185,000 ratings. So quite high. So we got to bring this puppy down a little bit is what you're saying. Like, Well, we might need to put it in its place. We might yeah. need to put it in its Bring place. people we'll back see. down to earth. <laughs> yeah um okay anything else on wait is this description different no it's the same no, if it's the same. cool yeah what what was your bot when was yours bottled mine was july 24th 2023 how about you same here wow lined same it bet. up perfect all right well let's try this thing i actually should grab a Yeah, I think is this. I'm gonna pour this in a glass. I think I feel. Like I was gonna say I should have grabbed a glass because I'm done drinking beer out of cans and bottles. Yeah. I'm... Not sure if I should be vamping, um, or if this will be edited out afterwards. But uh, he's back. Okay. Back. I know it's not a Belgian, but. Jacob, shout out. Nice. Got me this glass. Yeah, I I only had I like the typical it, pint glass, but noob. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Now we got kind of kind of digging the video. Once I can get a fucking ring light on my face, I'm not so dark. I mean, uh with your camera, it, it kind of like you got the fisheye lens a little bit going on. It almost looks <laughs> you like you're that? in like a Moby music video or something. I kind of like it. <laughs> it's because this is like an action camera. So like everything is like a fisheye. I don't know why, but whatever. Well, I like the smell of that. Mm-hmm. Very caramely on the nose. That, I am getting vibes that I, I did drink this when I was blackout drunk <laughs> in college. And now this is it's all coming back to me. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, not as sweet as I thought it was going to be, and I'm. It's probably because I do have the French toast bastard in my head, and that is that is like very sweet. But this yeah. is good. Yeah, I uh, 
Gotta be honest. I I was ready to put this beer in its place. And uh, this One is over? really good. I'm really <laughs> liking this. This is exactly, like I said, it, this time of morning, this time of day, this is exactly what I was looking for. And it's 11%. You need a good kickstart to the day. Oh, yeah. Brad's not working today. I'm not working today. Well, I, yeah, and I'm... uh this party. My buddy Charlie, he's getting married tomorrow, so this is like the kickoff to the... Tomorrow the on bash. a Friday? Yeah, yeah, yep. Crazy. Yeah, so he'll be well, yeah. uh, he'll be a married man. His funeral. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Congrats, Charlie. Yeah, so yeah, I might have to see maybe at the bar tonight after the rehe- at the rehearsal dinner. Maybe I'll see if they got just backwards pushing, bastard. Yeah, just start pushing on people like, hey, have you had backwards bastard? I think I will be. This is good. <laughs> Well, I mean, as you know, Founders is already a sponsor of the podcast, but uh, yeah, we got to do our we got to do our job to make sure that they they keep giving us money. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's not too sweet, uh, kind of caramely, definitely malty. I mean, that's typical for a Scotch ale, but um, it is balanced well. It doesn't have like that. Some sometimes they can have like a bitter finish that's not like a not like a hop bitter, but like I don't know what the other descriptor would be but it's it's well balanced in in my opinion yeah i definitely i can taste the caramel i don't really taste the scintilla the scintilla of dark fruit i'm not but uh that might just be my unrefined palate i don't know (laughs) yeah there's um yeah there's i i couldn't like pick out that specifically that you know that dark fruit but i feel like it definitely adds to it that maybe that's what mellows it more you know fruit being a little bit sweeter brings it down from uh some sometimes that bitter finish that that scotch ales have and it is 11 percent, like i said so i'm trying to think of what's a scotch ale that i hated that was like like a mid mid percent let's see i probably probably haven't had very many because i i usually avoid them I've had four. Well, hold on, six. Yeah, I, I know I haven't had many Scotch ales. What, what would be like another no. like big one that I would have maybe like? What's like? Hmm. Another big one. Christmas ale from Bell's is technically a Scotch ale. Um, I may have had that actually. Other Michigan ones: Ten Penny Bit is from Old Nation. Scotty Karate is from Dark Horse. Barbaric Yop is from Black Rocks. And then Agro Master is from Three Floyds, but Agro Master has like coffee infused in it, so it's um it's a little bit easier to drink. But yeah, Barbaric Yop wasn't very high on Ten Penny Bit, not very high on Scotty Karate, very low on because that Dark Horse is just ass in general. Yeah, Ten Penny Bit was a five point one percent in that was like a 275 so yeah it, pretty much in line with like agrimasters a higher abv obviously french toast bastard this is also 11 percent. those are i guess if i'm gonna get a scotch ale go with a higher abv to have a better flavor just go big or go home like i'll always go with the higher abv there's no question that's <laughs> hey we 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 discussed the ABV bump on Untapped for a reason. It's not, uh, 
It's not imaginary. Yeah, no, this is good. I mean, to be honest, like this, what was it? 4.11 was the yes. average. I thought we were going to be bringing this down. Uh, I hate to say it. I might be bringing this up. up. I think it's going up. Well, maybe ours will average out because I think I like, I, I mean, I know I probably would like the French Toast Bastard more, but I probably would stick with like a 3.75 or a 4 for this. Yeah. More around yeah. there. W- what did you give the French Toast one? That was a four. Okay. But I also was, I remember that we, I drank that at the brewery. I was probably drinking a lot of bangers that day. And I was like, eh, in comparison, is it that good? Maybe that's the problem with drinking beer. If you drink it, like if you're beard out and then you drink this at the end of the day or whatever, it's like, oh, I can't even drink it. It doesn't taste good. You might give it an unfair rating. That's why uh, yeah. I will recheck in beers if I only, only if I change the rating and it can go up or down. Yeah, you've got me where I don't. I I'm scared to not scared, but I don't want to recheck in anything because you told me I don't want to get those numbers uh, off on the on your profile. That's true, but see, okay, so it's almost liberating. My profile has been liberating to me because my numbers have always been off. So I was just I'm just able to make up my own rules. But yeah, aesthetically, you are in a tough spot. Yeah, you, just because you, I know you fucked up by telling me that letterboxed movie collecting, all those things. It's like in the back of your head at all times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, no, I, I'm, I'm in. Good uh, good pick and good uh, call good on the movie. Congratulate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did good. I did pretty good, didn't I? <laughs> no, you did good. You did good. You did great, actually. Um, okay, anything else on Backwoods Bastard? No, I don't think so. All right, well, let's uh, get into this featured review here. So... As mentioned, we are talking Deliverance. Uh, Deliverance was released in 1972. Uh, it is directed by John Borman and written by James Dickey. And well, okay, John Borman also has a dialogue credit. Who gives a shit? Uh, stars John Voight, Burt Reynolds, Ned Beatty, Ronnie Cox, and that's about it. Plot synopsis reads: Intent on seeing the. Kalahasi River before it's dammed and turned into a lake. Outdoor fanatic Lewis Medlock takes his friends on a canoeing trip they'll never forget in the dangerous American backcountry. Brad, what did you think of Deliverance? Well, as I've said on the other four podcasts I've reviewed this on this week, um, I uh, no, I'm just um, <laughs> uh, I I like Deliverance. Uh, this is the second time I'd seen it. Um, I think I liked it a little less on this watch, this rewatch. It's a weird movie mm-hmm. because it, it's very good and it's very watchable, moves along great. Um, there's some great sequences and scenes, but watching it this time, I kind of got to the end and I kind of like this a little bit, but you get to the end and it's kind of like, oh, that was, that was it. Oh, okay. Like, I don't know why in my head, I really didn't remember much from the movie, but I guess I was kind of maybe mixing it up with the Hills have eyes and picturing like that. It was a whole like family of backwoods hillbillies that they have to go up against. And it's really, that's a really only a small part of the movie. Um, so I, I kind of, you know, it feels a little underwhelming in that regard, but also I do kind of like that. It does feel pretty genuine. Like it doesn't like go too big. Um, which I like. Um, so overall, I, I, yeah, I think, I think it is really good. Um, the last time I watched it, 
Uh, I was coming off the death of Burt Reynolds, so I might have given it a little bump on that regard. Um, but I still I uh, really like the film. Yeah, um, definitely a bump for... Uh, I just want to... S- right out the gate, first thing I noticed, that vest, that vest that Burt Reynolds is wearing throughout the movie is amazing. Like, what is that material? It looks like soft but rigid on the collar area, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the texture is like, it looks like it could be foam almost, but it's like wearing it like a shirt. I, I don't know what the hell that thing is, but I want it. Well, is it is it the life jackets that they wear? No, not the life jacket. The black, almost skin-tight vest that just Burt Reynolds has on. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yep, that is good. Yep, now I know what that you're talking about. thing is amazing. <laughs> yep, that is good. That is some good costume design. And the fact oh, yeah. that he's literally wearing nothing underneath it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, what a guy. Uh, okay, so this was my first time watching Deliverance. And um, I think I'm with you pretty much where I, uh, maybe I came to this realization on the first watch. But um, it is, it's grounded. But uh, yeah, you get to the end and I'm left, I'm left wanting more, um, especially with the setup and everything, I love the beginning of the movie up to the scene and, and including the scene as well. And then after that, it kind of goes in a place that, um, I didn't love and there's some choices and things along the way. We'll get into it, but, um, yeah, I don't think deliverance delivered on its premise. Uh, not that it needed to be the whole family of, uh, backwoods mountain people and you know go too corny or over the top like you said i like that it's grounded um i think easily could have made them to like super incompetent like dumb city i mean some of them are but it's not like a you know city slickers where that's a comedy and they like play it up like they don't know shit about like survival in the country and stuff like that and that's yeah. that's the point it's more fish out of water this is more like your average man going from city of Atlanta to a canoeing trip. And only one of them really knows uh, the woods and stuff. That stuff. I like a lot of the character stuff. I like, but they set them up like they're going to have like this character arc and there's going to be more, they're going to get more into that. And I don't feel like it ever does that. It's more of just like the journey is, like it's like something that they never would want to do again. And then that's that's the end. Like when I get to the end, I'm like, oh, that's it. Like you can tell John Voight's changed forever, especially by the end. That's pretty like on the nose. But mm-hmm. outside of that, I'm I'm just left a little bit uh wanting more there. But overall I do I do like it. There's a lot of good scenes, great scenes. It's uh well shot on location too. That was another big thing that they I feel like they took advantage of, but, um, yeah, just not, didn't, didn't live up to my expectations. I set in my head. Yeah. Um, I I would say that, yeah, the thing with John Voight, yeah, he definitely has changed and it. I, I think he's probably the only one out of the group that has like an arc. Um, Mm -hmm. and even with his arc, like they really don't push it. Like, um, 
I don't know. It, are are we doing spoilers later, or is that? Or are we good to just like this movie is fifty years old? Are we good to just? We uh, both gave our general thoughts, and it is so old. So I think I think um we can get into it now. I don't want I don't want to, you know, end a train of thought just to uh, avoid a spoiler for a fifty year old movie. So okay, go for it. I mean it's not like a huge spoiler, but um just the the fact that you know the whole thing where early on in the film he uh, tries to kill that deer and he chokes. <laughs> Yeah. And then by the end of the film, even though he's still kind of like, you know, shaking and freaking out, he is able to pull pull the trigger or release the the string and kill the one um the okay. redneck, I guess. We need to talk about that scene because I had to watch that three times to even realize what I, had happened. I did I had to rewind it as well. I was very that there, was very confusing. <laughs> there are a couple scenes in this that are just like the the cinematic language or choreography whatever you want to call it is not the best and i had to be like wait what did, what did happen what happened there okay go back check it um i felt like that was i i didn't read that like there could be multiple interpretations maybe i'm wrong but i didn't read that as like he like he he came to his senses and like yeah he fired the arrow it, it seemed more of like a fluke almost like he he fell into success yeah yeah, I mean, like he, he did kind of fuck up because he, he like falls fires it afterwards. immediately, falls back, and and it you know hits him like it just it the way that it plays out. I didn't read that, but I definitely could on a rewatch maybe get a different interpretation of it. Well, I mean, yeah, I it definitely like what I like about it is he does kill the guy, but it's not like he you know it's not like Ryan Gosling in the elevator and drive like you know I feel like they really could have pushed his uh you know how how much he changes and I think you know I think he does change a little bit and I think uh deep down like he he has changed because he has killed that man and because of everything they went through but it's not like an immediate like flipping a switch and he's all of a sudden like Rambo yeah yeah he he like <laughs> I don't love like the end, like the very end scene where, you know, the bed and the, he has like some kind of PTSD or whatever. Again, it's kind of on the nose and a little corny. I get what they're trying to say. And you know, that his show, his arc visually. Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't love it overall. And yeah, there's a few different character things, I guess I would, I would have liked to see play out differently or, or flesh out more, but he, he definitely does have the only arc in the movie. And I love, I do love his performance out of all of them. I do think, I think a lot of them are, are good, but John Voight's probably the best. Yeah, no, I, I would agree on that. Um, but yeah, I think the core four are pretty good. Um, it is interesting because you kind of don't really learn their like relationship to one another until like you know you kind of like get little bits and pieces along the way like at first you think oh these these are just four friends you know they probably go way back but then there's you know moments where like uh ned Beatty at the end says uh with the one character uh drew, uh, drew he's like I-, I didn't even know him and it's like oh really i so i i kind of like that like i think that's probably intentional that you you know, think that they are this great group of friends and they, by the end of the film, you learn that they really don't all know each other as well as you may have thought. Um, I hope that's intentional because otherwise, uh, yikes. 
Um, <laughs> I I kind of like that. I think I think that's interesting. No, yeah, it's you're spot on, and the the beginning, even the setup is is pretty interesting in how they how they get their motivations out there and what they're doing and stuff like it. It is kind of confusing on a first watch, and like I said, I I rewatched some of that stuff, but like that's not something that I would fault the movie for. I just didn't get uh, what it was going for immediately, and then I was like, oh, okay, they're this is why they're doing it, and then their relationship, yeah, you get trickles of that through dialogue. It's not like exposition dumps or this like corny, you know, montage or whatever of them packing up for the trip and getting out there. Um, it's just like jumping right into it and they're the first scene is really them showing up to they're already in the country and they're asking these people to help you know get their cars down and that's kind of like i feel like the start of it um and also in hindsight that's like one scene that i question how it plays out like is are these people relaying information to other people or is it like uh just a coincidence that the other two show up you know the moonshiners or whatever you want to call them um uh, yeah i i don't know like how sinister the movie is like trying to be or trying to portray these people i think on this watch uh my interpretation is that there there's no like relaying of info i think it is just a total coincidence and i think there's kind of a intention of you know making it so you know, these these hillbillies, these rednecks kind kind of other than, you know, the you know, the real bad pair um, kind of, you know, making them they're not like it really doesn't look at them in a, a bad light for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, the kid, I think it's pretty intentional that like they portray him as like he's actually like super skilled at playing a banjo like he he even beats drew in a like a basically a duel um so i think there's you know it's not like looking down at these people necessarily like they're showing like here like you know they may look a little different they may you know not have the uh the you know amenities that people that live in the city have but that doesn't mean they're all necessarily stupid um so i think i think that's kind of intentional so i think it kind of plays it both ways where obviously you have the pair that are like bad and evil or whatever. But I think for the most part, like overall the group of people you meet from, you know, the Appalachian woods or whatever, I think generally are portrayed as just, you know, not bad or evil and, you know, not, not, not even dumb. Um, so I, I think that's, so maybe, you know, picking backwards bastard, we might be, uh, you know, <laughs> d- degrading them a little more than the movie even is. Yeah, right. I was gonna say uh, this, this slur here, and, yeah. and the portrayal too. Like, is is the point to say you know, don't let these like these two people spoil like your view on like this culture or whatever in general. And yeah, is that I don't know if that's what the movie is trying to say. I mean, it's definitely a view you could take, but um, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Like. <clears throat> In terms of like a thriller, calling it a thriller though, um, like there was, this is probably my own expectations and my fault of like thinking that there was going to be more of that aspect of they all know each other and there is a connection at the end too that they make where they're like, oh, that guy's 
what do they call his brother-in-law or something mm-hmm. one of the guys that they killed is connected to like a deputy in town or something and it's like oh they really are all related um just that kind of connection that web of people like working together and like saying this is where they're going to be and they 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 are stalked more like i i did see that term thrown around in a description and it's like okay i just didn't feel like they got stalked enough or whatever but again my own expectations coming into it too much and thinking it's going to be more of a thriller there's it really doesn't like kick off until i think it's like an hour into it when we get that scene and um things things get going in that direction but um yeah i i, I would like to reevaluate on a rewatch but uh see if i could see if i could catch more in in terms of just their characters and the backwoods people's connections to it but <clears throat> it it was a uh, interesting too like to think about their like taking away their home basically and that aspect like the the sympathy or empathy that you should feel for them and and you know the the family in the beginning like you said is is very nice and helpful and um just like what what it's doing to their community yeah i mean i definitely think there's like an element of obviously like the the dam you know creating a lake and taking away their land and also you know these four city dwellers coming in and you know not necessarily taking anything away from them but just coming in and thinking oh yeah we can just come in and use these people and use their land and no no big deal and you know, especially like in the first scene where they arrive in town, like you can tell they're definitely like belittling these people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, we're better than like these people are weird looking. They're stupid. Um, and- well, that was <laughs> so that's another good point of why I thought that they were going to be like the people that tip them off. Like, you know, they, they felt disrespected and they wanted to, you know, exact some kind of revenge or whatever. I mean, you could definitely interpret it that way. I mean, there there are enough breadcrumbs there like the boy that they, they see the boy on the bridge when they're on the river mm-hmm. shows that he's at least following them to a certain extent um they do burt reynolds thinks he hears somebody at night at one point um so that's there i don't know i personally i think it's more interesting if those people are not portrayed as evil um because if if that is the case that they were you know behind this all I wish there would have been more of a payoff with that. Like I, I, I think it's maybe just there and that it's in their heads a little bit as well. Like they, you know, see these people that are, you know, different than them and uh, that they think are, they, they think they're better than these people and that these people could potentially be dangerous. So up to that point that maybe they're, uh, you know, like, it's all in their mind. Like they hear something in the woods and think, Oh, it could be somebody, some crazy mountain man following us. Um, I mean, the problem with that in some ways is that it turns out, well, they're, they're right in some regards because they do get, uh, viciously attacked and assaulted. Um, but I, I think on this watch, I, I interpreted it as most of the, the people from the area are not bad, but you, I think you could go either way, which I, th- I think is interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe actually it's more interesting that it's ambiguous in that sense um, because of those things. Like, yeah, there, it's never discovered if there was somebody there, you know, when Burt Reynolds checks out, checks it out in the night. Um, 
or yeah, the boy on the bridge, <clears throat> just things like that. And I do think that's more interesting actually in hindsight. So good. Yeah. Good call on that. I think um, one of my favorite parts of the movie, like just aspect of the movie is the first, uh, you know, like, like, I don't know what to call it. Like re- redneck mountain men, he'll build, uh, I don't know what to call them, but the backwards first one they killed, bastards. The, yeah, the bastards, the backwards bastards, the first one that they killed, the Burt Reynolds kills with the arrow. I love how they portray his death, how he just kind of like staggers around for like a minute and just kind of like <laughs> sits on his knees and the way he falls on that tree branch. I love that. It's yeah, so like props him weird. up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's like even like his performance too is just like so out there and just like cartoony and stuff like it it really it works for his uh for his role but yeah, I I like I said I love the beginning up to that scene. I I love that scene and then definitely kind of goes down from there for me, but um there's other scenes I like too within it, but um yeah, that's like kind of the peak for me yeah. and it's not cuz it's not because of that. I'm not a sick freak. Uh, You're sick, man. You're sick. It's just a good, great, great scene. <laughs> I mean, that is probably like if that's the scene that everyone remembers from the movie. I mean, it's of like, course, yeah. And yeah. I didn't know. I I went in. I did not know it was uh, it was gonna go there. Really? Um, yeah. I I oh. mean, I really. <laughs> whenever I saw like Deliverance and I saw like pictures of it and stuff, I always saw. The canoeing and stuff i just thought it was like some wilderness survival movie i mean it kind of is that but yeah mm-hmm. like taking out the the backwoods bastards part um i didn't know that was that was an aspect to it and um hmm. yeah I, I wonder how many i mean it's it's obvious how like the influence that it's had but um was this like the start of this you know, this stereotype or like, like you mentioned it for the Hills have eyes. I thought of uh wrong turn a lot in this movie. Yeah. Um, but it's like a lot of movies like that where, you know, you go into the, the backwoods countries and there's inbred hillbillies and <laughs> like want to kill you or whatever. It just was like a uh, very reminiscent of that. Obviously this movie is much more grounded than any of those, but um, I could see the inspiration there. Even I think uh, a big one that I got on this watch was Friday the 13th, the original. Um, oh yeah, you've got the like weird sort of like you know the classic slasher thing of kids going to camp out in the woods or whatever, and you got the you know they stop at the gas station and here they stop at you know the the little town whatever you want to call it, and then the end uh, of Friday the Thirteenth where Jason jumps out of the water like that feels like when you watch this with the hand coming out of the water yeah that's true pretty clear influence on on that <laughs> that is true. Just another reason to bring down that trash movie. <laughs> oh, Friday the 13th? Yeah. Uh, embarrassingly enough, have not seen it. But there's a Friday the 13th in October. I might have to cross that off the list. Yeah. But I, I know the scene. I've seen enough. That's the movie where I've seen enough clips from it. I could probably uh, tell you everything about it without watching it. Um, yeah. I just have like nitpicks and notes outside of that. Um, we do have to talk about the uh, that scene where Bert, or sorry, John Voight free solos up the cliff. Um, after, after didn't that. even think about that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. 
I, I know this probably wasn't my it probably wasn't my version, but like that scene looks terrible to you, right? Yes, yes, okay. it is. And I will say I was watching this movie. I started it a little late watching this movie, but loving it. I was like, oh, this is great. I, you know, it's like 11 p.m. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. The, as soon as he climbs up that cliff, I was out like a light, <laughs> passed out, woke up at 3 a.m. I was like, what oh, no. the fuck happened? <laughs> and then I did finish it from there. I finished it at 3 a.m. I was like, I'm not I'm not I'm not stopping. <laughs> oh, my God. So, but yes, yeah, that you, scene you were... passed me out. Yeah, you were you were like his character. You just kept dozing off. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was that uh, I probably could have researched this on my own, but <laughs> didn't take the time to. Was that a scene where they were <clears throat> they were trying to shoot it at like dusk or night? So they did some kind of artificial color grading or or filter to it to make it look that way. Because there's yeah, there's very obvious there's very obvious shot in the sky where you can see clouds and it's like too bright of clouds. Where, like you could tell it was probably shot during the day, but they're trying to make it look like it's night and it just looks awful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would be just my guess is that they shot it, you know, it was, it was probably during the day um, and they were like, okay, well, we need to have this, you know, it's got to take them a whole night to climb up there. And so they're <laughs> yeah. like, all right, we'll just, you know, we'll just, you know, darken the sky and post or whatever. And uh, yeah, it'll it'll look okay. And yeah, it looks, it looks pretty bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was like my, I would say that was like the biggest technical flaw I definitely saw in it. Um was that scene but yeah and then him free soloing up there too like like i said this movie is pretty grounded but there's there's little tidbits of like moments where it's okay this guy came from the city uh how is he climbing up this cliff with a bow also strapped to him and rope and stuff it's i don't know the incline or the grade of it but uh i would say it's pretty probably pretty hard even for someone with some experience to to climb the face of that mountain up to the top and when he gets up there too it looks very tall yeah Th this is why we need jacob here we need his uh his expertise <laughs> yeah that is uh that is a good point you could definitely um, use use his input yeah so i i guess uh along with that point of the movie i didn't go back and re-watch the point where drew falls in the water um because i did you did okay so is there anything there huh was there anything there like do you, can you see him get shot or no no he it looks like he just dives into the water there's okay. no like indication blood splatter or anything like which maybe it's supposed to be ambiguous again but uh, when i re when i went back and watched it i read it as lewis Lewis is almost like he's almost like trying to push for the for like the predator prey angle and like Drew is just like mentally not there and like John Voigt recognizes that but he Lewis is like looking around and it it does play out like a, a pretty a good scene cuz he's looking around kind of you know in a paranoid sense and they never they never cut to what he's looking at or you know, they never show someone standing above them, over them. So you're, you're, you are left wondering, did he get shot? Could he have been shot? And then they never come to that conclusion. Um, like, I like that moment a lot. But then, 
yeah, when he goes, when he, when Drew goes over, it does look like he just dives in. So I think it was just him mentally like breaking. But then they do find his body later. And I, I hated that moment because they grab his body. They're like, someone will be able to, you know, do an autopsy or whatever, find out if he was shot. They go through the trouble of getting him and like tying him to the boat. And then like the next scene after, it's just like them releasing him and be like, okay, we gave up. Like, don't. They're like, fuck this. This is too much work. Body. Yeah. I was like, what was the point of all that before? It just played out so weird. Yeah, I agree. That does seem like a moment where, I mean, maybe, hey, maybe that goes along with the theme of like them really tapping into their, uh, you know, the wild. They're really like leaving the city behind. It's like, this is just this is meat at this point. We don't need to have an old fucking funeral. You think these hillbillies would have a funeral? No. Um, but it does seem weird. Like you would think, OK, I mean, you would think they'd bring his body back. But I guess I, I don't know. Do they really ever mention this, that if he is shot, then that would blow up their whole plan? Like if he's got an arrow, like if he was shot with an arrow or even like any sort of like slingshot pebble or something like then they would say, okay, this guy's been murdered, and that would really open up the investigation even more. Yeah, right. That's that's true. I mean, I don't think they bring that up, do they? You mean if Drew was shot, then... Well, if if Drew was shot, then it kind of feels like it would would give them more, like, exonerate them from their murder, from their, you know... The person that they killed, it would they but it, fight for their life. It it still wouldn't um, explain the fact that they like hid the like buried the body. They'd have to go back and like you know yeah yeah. Oh come so on, I, they buried the body. One rainfall, that body's coming out. Did you see how they buried it? True. Yeah, they. It's under yeah. half an inch of dirt, loose dirt. <laughs> they didn't have to. They, there's there's gonna be a lake there. They didn't have to do too much. It's all right. <laughs> that was just. They're trying to cover their tracks. They're like, "Oh, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go to jail." Okay, just scoop some loose soil over him. <laughs> like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah, yeah, great plan, great plan. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty good. But yeah, no, I I do agree. It, it does play off as kind of weird how they just immediately sink his body to the bottom of the river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, like I you, you know read between the lines. Like, okay, if it's if it's gonna get them in trouble. It makes sense, but um, yeah. It, but in, I didn't you know, when, until just now. So okay, yeah, exactly, I, exactly. When you're watching it, you're in the movie. You're like, why did they do that? Yeah, that's the intent. It does not come across very clearly. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Okay. Last like uh plot notes that was weird. The fact that he didn't. Uh, and I don't even know if this is mentioned. This is what I I had to look this up. When he shoots the guy, the hillbilly. And he has his teeth. He he was he was face to face with both of them for a decent duration of time. He didn't recognize his face, and then he had his teeth. But then online it said it was discovered that that guy was wearing dentures, so that's why he had teeth. It was the hillbilly that was held him captive, but he had dentures in. Do you is any of that ring a bell? Yeah, because isn't there a point where he pops out like his front two teeth? I believe, like okay, maybe in the assault. So like he's he's like he's like like he's watching you know the guy like assaulting Ned Beatty, and he's like licking his chops, and his like teeth fall out at some point, and he's like, Whoop, oh, whoop, okay. Whoop. So I had to go back to that. Okay, I 
didn't, I did not put that together. I was too focused on, you know, Ned Beatty getting railed. I was yeah, in yeah. on that. I didn't, I, mine was off the teeth. Well, you didn't know what was cut. Co- you didn't know that was coming. So you were just probably in like a oh, cold yeah. sweat and shock. Like, whoa. <laughs> I, I, I uh, had always known that that was coming because uh, this movie, that scene, I should say, um, mm. there was a TV show that aired on Bravo back in like the early 2000s, the 100 scariest movie moments. Oh, and I remember that scene was one of it was only like, you know, like 80 or something. But that scene was featured in that countdown. So I. uh I always associated this movie with that scene, even before I saw it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I did not know that was coming, but, uh, it was, it was welcomed when it, when it came needed it. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. Okay. Good. That, that clears that up. I put that on me. That's my fault. Um, okay. I think it's about all I have for my notes. I don't know. What do you, anything else on deliverance for you? I mean, just, uh, mention like you got got to mention the dueling banjos tune mm-hmm. um which i i meant to look this up i think it actually was like a big like like hit like i think the song like actually like be, like charted on the billboard charts even i could be wrong on that but it uh like when i when i heard it in the movie it sounded familiar even though i've never seen this like i was like oh this tune you know it, it did sound familiar uh my my tidbit note uh anecdote whatever you want to say uh the guy the kid that played um the banjo player billy redden he has one two three four he has five credits one of them is deliverance lonnie the next four he plays banjo man (laughs) wow really 1984 2003 2004 and 2009 he is cast as Banjo Man in every role. <laughs> so uh, I guess, you know, stick to, stick to what you're good at. Yeah, I mean, you know, getting typecast is better than not being cast at all. That's what exactly, I said. Yeah. Um, he, just, uh, he just wants work. No, I, I just, I did look up Dueling Banjos, which apparently was a song before the movie. Um, they re- I saw that I in think, the credits. Yeah. They mentioned it. Mm-hmm. But this movie obviously made it famous and... Imagine this, like nowadays, this movie, this song, Dueling Banjos, went to number two on the charts. <laughs> Imagine this being the number two song in America right now. Like, it's all, just like, like, yeah, top all charts. Like, yeah, like, just imagine, music. like, you know, like, you know, every like pop radio station playing Dueling Banjos, like just <laughs> different times, different times. Yeah. No lyrics too, right? Like that what they played was. Yeah. Did it have lyrics? Okay. Hmm. I don't think that I, I think, uh, I think the, the kid, I think he did add in some lyrics like saying, I'm Banjo Man, I'm Banjo Man. Um, watch out, yeah. here comes Banjo Man. Um, so they did add in a few lyrics there. Yeah, it was, uh, oh, what's his name? God damn it. <laughs> what? Why am I blanking on his name? Um, just watching you scroll your phone as frantically as you can. <laughs> Tim Burton, Tim Burton, Tim Burton, please cast me as Banjo Man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jeez, right. Um, okay. Um. And good. Anything else? Real. I think really the last thing I can think of is just uh in um the scene where they find Drew. I do love how his shoulder is like popped out of its socket. Like, oh yeah, his arms like 
around backwards. That's pretty like I mean, in, like I always love when movies can make something like really like gross and kind of fucked up without it like being like just like gory. Like that's a pretty gross yeah. fucked up image. Like just seeing like just seeing your friend in the water with his shoulder popped out of its socket. Like that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I would uh I would agree that was a good moment. I also like um like when they find uh it it looks grosser than it is. Um, it, it almost looks like it's like muscle like falling out or like guts out of his leg. You know when when uh Burt Reynolds um hurts his leg and he's like uh my leg. Yeah, it, that just that moment. Like it, 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 you know, it's the classic bone out of the out of the skin or cloth or whatever. But when you see it from the side, it almost looks like guts hanging out. It looks so. It looks grosser than it is. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I, like I was ca- almost confused. I was like, "What is that?" Like, <laughs> I, 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 dude, I thought the same. I was like, "What? What's wrong with his leg? Is that muscle tissue falling out?" No. Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just his bone. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, overall, I I, I still quite like the movie. Um. It's again very watchable, very uh, intense, and I mean, I didn't really mention, but just the fact that it's actually, or I assume, actually, the actors like canoeing down a river like it it feels very real like in that regard mm-hmm. so from what i saw a lot of it a lot of it is that um and they did they shot on location and then they turned it into a big tourist thing for georgia they did have stunt doubles for like some of the more intense scenes but a lot of just like the basic whitewater canoeing whatever was um was them and yeah it shows so kudos yeah. john borman that- yeah, it's a good thing this movie wasn't uh, bad or it would be like, man, no wonder this was directed by John Borman, you know what I'm saying? Borman ended up. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, to to that credit as well, I, I do think it's paced pretty well. And, um, uh, you know, when that when the scene happens, it's you're already like halfway or over halfway into the movie. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm already halfway into the movie. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, keeps yeah. going. So. Good stuff. Okay, uh, what are you going to give Deliverance out of five stars? I'll give it a four. I went down from a 4.5. That was that was the Burt Reynolds death bump. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I teetered between a three and a three and a half. I got to go with my gut, though. I'm going to give it a heavy three. So would like to rewatch it and reevaluate, especially after this conversation. I think there's been yeah. some good points brought to light, so. A star um, for okay. each uh, person that's alive at the end. Who? A star for each person that's alive at the end out of the group. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Good point. Good point. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's move on to some nano reviews. Brad, is there anything that you wanted to uh, talk about? I mean, I I don't have much. Um, I mean, pretty much everything I have, like I've talked about on my show, but I'll just mention quick just because uh you know just throw it out there because uh you guys are big fans i did watch rewatch interstellar oh yeah yeah um which i i quite like as well but uh it's, it's just not it's not a five banger for me it's not a five banger for me i'm it's just, not there yet what what's holding it back well there's a few things so i mean the one obvious thing is when she throws the papers off the balcony and yells eureka um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like any chance we added a five, it's like, oh, there we go. That's okay. We're we're in a four point five. But also, I I really everything with Casey Affleck and um 
like when they burn his crops and I don't know that whole stuff, like that side plot, like it, I, I get, they had to give it some intensity where Jessica Chastain is in the room and she's running out of time, but I don't know. I just feel that that all feels kind of clunky to me. Um, everything I will say everything with the kids is probably my least favorite mm-hmm. in that movie. But my least favorite in that movie is still amazing because <laughs> that's pretty high for me. But uh, it, I could see yeah. obviously where you're coming from. I, and I, I and also, I've seen, I've heard people's complaints and problems with it, and it's it's nothing that I would disagree with either. Um, yeah. It's just stuff that doesn't bother me. I mean, I'm I'm definitely I don't know if I'd say I'm in the minority on this, not giving it a five, but the letterboxed uh, spread on this, like it's that crazy. five, that's like Godfather Godfather two level five star, like just up there, like it's it's pretty huge. Um, <laughs> And I also, I don't know, like, I I really feel like I like everything involving him and his daughter conceptually, but the the last scene where they, they meet up again, like, if that scene had hit me emotionally, I think this could have been a five, but on I don't the, know, that scene, like, when she's old in the hospital. Yeah, on the halo ring. Yeah. I don't know, that scene feels almost like, and I, maybe it's intentional, but she's kind of like... You know, it, it's great to see you, but you can go. And it's kind of like, oh, uh, okay. Like, I don't know. I kind of wanted a little more from that. And if, if that scene had really worked, I think this could have been a five. And I'm not saying this will never be a five for me, but I kind of got to the end. I'm like, you go through all that. And she just tells him to go find Anne Hathaway. Who gives <laughs> a shit about Brant or whatever her name is? Like, this is your daughter. Come on. Yeah. And the fact that they don't like, they don't really play up like, a love angle between them to like justify that decision mm-hmm. really. You yeah. Know? And I mean, then there's all like, that's not even getting into the, uh, I forget if it's her that says it or whatever, but where they talk about like the one element that can transcend time and space is love. It's like, okay. All right. Um, <laughs> it's lucky that the rest of the film is so good that I, you know, still, it's still an absolute banger, even with these kind of like, little bit cringeworthy moments yeah i mean yeah i'm as cold-hearted of a bastard as the next guy but uh not that that hits me emotionally it just again doesn't bother me in the same Mm -hmm. in the same way i guess yeah i think i love the other i love all the surrounding elements so much like so so much that that stuff just like don't care i get that because it it, like the stuff that works it is like yeah (laughs) <laughs> I I forgot how much I love the whole sequence with Matt Damon, like everything with him mm. on that and, planet, yeah, and him docking and not being attached is like, all, I loved that this watch. It was amazing. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, it's still it's still a very very good movie. Um. But you know, just I don't know. I I'm not saying it'll never get to a five, but this watch it just it wasn't there. It wasn't there. Maybe uh post if that's in your future post children Brad will uh give it a five. It's true. That's yeah. Like um, you have a daughter you know, could be huge because I don't have a daughter, <laughs> so that's why I didn't get emotional in this. But like you know, I do have a dad, so that's why in Gran Turismo the father son with me <laughs> being the son that worked. But with me, I, I I I don't have a daughter, so you know maybe someday. Yeah, that totally totally makes sense. Yeah. 
Okay, well, uh, I watched a movie, Brad. I'm gonna have you. I'm gonna see if you can guess this movie off of my description. Okay. Okay. It's an alien visitation movie. Stars Henry Thomas, and it also stars someone named D. With the effects done by ILM, Industrial Light and Magic. What movie do you think I'm talking about? I mean, <laughs> is this a trick? Is this a trick question? No, no tricks. Um, it's got. It's got to be ET, right? wrong (laughs) i watched fire in the sky brad fire in the sky come on starring uh what's what's this fucker's name db sweeney i think is his name uh fire in the sky yeah db sweeney of course you your mind is always on d wallace i know that yeah i i had no idea henry thomas was in this yep he is also, I mean, he does have a small role, to be fair. I, I uh, kind of led you astray by saying starring Henry Thomas, but uh, he is one of the crew members uh, of the logging team. Uh, I would say Robert Patrick is actually first top build because uh, he, he has the most heavy lifting in this movie. Uh, but yeah, I had never seen Fire in the Sky, and uh, anybody that knows me knows I'm a big UFO nerd, big alien head whatever you want to say uh so i had to cross this off the list i had definitely heard of um the travis walton case prior to this and uh heard a lot of good things about this movie but uh never watched it so finally pulled the trigger just wanted something to talk about on the show too um yeah it's uh it's i i liked it a lot and i could see why some people wouldn't um, it definitely seems to take some liberties and it seems to movie-fy some things. Um, there's like scenes, like for example, there, there's like a scene where a railroad crossing comes down and uh, it plays like you see, you see like flashing lights in the, in the windshield reflection and you think like, oh, it's like a UFO in front of this cop car, but it's just like the railroad. And it's like, okay, if you're pulled up to a railroad, you would know what it is but like the look and expression on his face adds like some tension and it's just like stuff like that that doesn't really make sense for the people in the movie but as an audience it it uh it you know puts you on the edge of your seat a little bit there's stuff like that in it that it's okay uh you know who else is in this movie um oh yeah peter berg is one of the crew members as well i uh it was interesting to see him, I guess, like in a prominent acting role. I think this was like right before he started his directing career. Um, but I will say his performance is mixed at best. Um, there's, uh, I, I actually think Robert Patrick is pretty good, but um, there's a lot of uh, like scared and um, traumatic uh, emotions that people have to give, and that stuff is. Uh, not great but uh the ufo design is pretty good uh that whole set piece where he gets abducted is i i like a lot um there is also a lot of matrix imagery in this if if the wachowskis say they did not get any inspiration from this movie they are fucking lying the end of this movie is the matrix through and through matrix one especially like 
there's like a, a pod where he it's like a it's it's almost like a skin like material he pushes his hand against it breaks through it there's the the machinery with like a singular red light almost like it's it's the the machine has like an eye the red eye it's it's very very similar uh but yeah there's definitely things to nitpick here and there um it's not amazing by any means but uh if you're a fan of sci-fi alien movies, I think it's pretty good for one of those. Um, yeah, definitely not going to be an all-timer, but I would, I'd probably give it like a four for now. I, I could see it going down. It's probably closer to a three and a half, but um, I got to go with my heart. Wow. I've, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to see if there's any, uh, the Wachowskis have gone on record saying they've been influenced <laughs> by uh, not seeing anything well, check, at the moment. Check that out. In the meantime, I, I, I want to talk about Robert Lieberman, the director of this movie, who went on largely to just do like really shitty TV series and TV movies. Like, I actually think the movie is very, very well directed. Like just the choices that they make. It looks good. The shots, like a lot of stuff is, is well done. I, I'm, confused as to why he didn't get better work after this like he went on to direct d3 like the mighty ducks after like what are you doing it's the worst mighty ducks movie too <laughs> exactly that's what i'm saying like <laughs> go from this to uh, that i mean it didn't it this doesn't have like good critic reviews either which so uh, like i i definitely can see the faults in it but i'm saying like for what it's at, it's I think it's too low for for what the movie is. And yeah, I don't I don't you haven't seen this, right? No, I've always wanted to, but no never got yeah. around to it. Yeah. I mean, pretty short. It's uh, it's an hour fifty, probably like an hour forty five with credits. Um it's on HBO Max. Mm. If you like that stuff, definitely worth checking out. I mean, it's not gonna be a priority, but um yeah, I would be interested to hear your thoughts eventually. Yeah, I I didn't know this on uh, on Max. I might have to check it out. Um, yeah, regarding the Wachowskis, little uh, little wrinkle to throw in here. I just I, you know I googled it and I couldn't wasn't find anything. I did find a review that also um, here the review says the staging of some of the shots doubtless provided an inspiration for the Wachowskis when they created Neo's rebirth for the Matrix. Yep, there but then the guy also points out. And I don't know if you knew this. Same cinematographer for both movies. Oh, Bill uh, Pope. Oh, I didn't know that. So I shot well. Might but... have to uh, say I don't know. Is is Bill Pope actually the mind behind the Matrix? <laughs> <laughs> uh we are on to something here. We are definitely on to something here. Do you think like the Wachowskis wow. were like shooting the Matrix and they're like, man, we can't figure out what to do for Neo's <laughs> rebirth. And Bill Pope was like, you know, I actually worked on this movie called gotcha. fire in the sky. They did this really cool thing. Where... Uh, I mean that uh, honestly, I think that tracks. We need to, uh, we need to get this on record before anybody else takes credit for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's get a, let's get a YouTube vid up or something, you know, like a, <laughs> a video essay. Bill Pope, Bill Pope's The Matrix. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Fire in the Sky. Yeah, that is 
Oh, he worked with him on uh, Bound too. Man, this guy's. That's why it was, that's why it looks so good. I'm tell, like, I mean, maybe I'm giving too much credit to uh, Robert Lieberman, but um, maybe it was Bill Pope the whole time. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's maybe has he been like blacklisted? Like you know, back when like people were being accused of being communists, like he can't be a uh, director, <laughs> so he has to be a cinematographer. Um, he can't get in that guild for some reason, so he like ghost directs these movies uh, while shooting them as well. Well, he uh, has been directing music videos and a TV series called Cosmos. So, I mean, yeah, that could be maybe maybe no studio, major studio will touch him. Interesting. Yeah. Stick, to your, stick to your job. He's too ahead of his time. He's, nobody will touch him. He's too ahead of his time. <laughs> uh, okay, that's about all I have. Do you have anything else? I do. I know. I... I, I want you to save your thoughts for the most part for your show for listens. But I asked, posed this question to Jacob last week and I'll really, you just need to give a short answer. Am I off base on my one piece live action opinion? Well, I will say just um, without getting too into it, that I was not crazy about it. Um, (laughs) That's all. Hey, if that's it, that's all you need to say. (laughs) I, I mean, I, I don't know. I found it pretty middle of the road. Um, okay. But it's okay. it's the kind of thing where it's like, ah, this, this is really isn't for me. Um, now, you did but, have the you did have the benefit of watching the whole first season, whereas Jacob and I only watched the first episode. Yeah. Is there any change in quality after episode one? Well, I would say, in my opinion, it uh, is is downhill from episode one. Okay. God damn it. <laughs> You're not selling me, Brad. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I would say probably the first two episodes were my favorite. Um, and uh, what I liked about the first two episodes was that it was like episodic. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is going to be kind of just like a Star Trek sort of thing where it's like, you know, each episode, they just find a new adventure they go on. And uh, no, it, you don't know one piece, though. You've not. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> listen I don't listen. I don't care about the source material. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> no, no, I, I get where you're coming from. But uh, yeah, I mean, from coming from a fan of the anime, I'm I'm fairly close to caught up to episodes now. I've seen like 980. Uh, yeah, you know that it's a very, very long arc and yeah. some arcs take hundreds of episodes to finish. But yeah. I'll just I'll also say two things that um you know, with you being a fan of the source material, you'll, you probably will disagree with me on at least one of these. First of all, I absolutely hate the fact that the main character is rubber. I just hate that. Just aesthetically, just in terms of the story. <laughs> in this in this season, I'm sure maybe as it goes on, there will be some reason for it. Adds absolutely nothing to this season. It's just like every time he stretches, I absolutely hate it. It's it's, <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst thing ever. I just want to show about pirates. All right. Like that'd be so much better. And there's a reveal involving, um, how do I do this without spoiling it? Because I, I don't, you would know, but right, I don't yeah. so there's a reveal involving um, a character who we find out is related to uh, Luffy. Yes. And it is like the worst reveal in <laughs> the history of television. It's so bad. <laughs> I'm sure in the, in the source yeah. material, in the original, it's, it's probably great. But in this, it is like, what? And it, nothing comes from it. It is bad. 
I don't even remember that being a big deal in the anime. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about, but, um, like, I don't know. Like, their relationship doesn't, like, hinge. Mm, maybe Marine Ford. I don't, yeah. It's, it's not like a... If they try to play it up, then it's, like, it's just to... Like, just for that, the purpose of the reveal, right? It's not, like, a... Yeah. It's not for the plot, really, because I'm... It's been a long time since I've seen those early episodes. Like the show is obviously starting at the beginning, so this was probably ten years ago that I watched started watching the anime. But um, yeah, I don't remember that being a big deal. But yeah, excited to hear. If you want to hear Brad's full thoughts on the what, season one of One Piece live action, you got to listen to his show. But uh, very I mean, excited. I, I pretty much said all my thoughts right now. It's pretty much the rest of <laughs> just Santino talking to me for an yeah, hour. Say, it's just Santino going on and on about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I uh oh one counterpoint to the powers thing I think I do think that like his not like choice of powers because it's by chance that he gets it uh the powers he gets are like intentional but uh like comedic and like stupid on purpose because like lo- in large the anime is very funny which I don't find the live action to be funny at all it's more cringy not than anything all. the anime is actually like pretty funny. Even as even as a show made for teenage kids or younger boys, it's it's still like just like the Japanese style of humor works better in anime than live action. And um, I, I you know, there's still moments that I find funny in it now, even though it's it's less funny to me. But yeah, that stuff seems to be more intentional for uh, for comedic purposes rather than yeah anything. <laughs> yeah. But, um. So I was not a fan, but again, not for me, but. But it, it seems like it should be for you and not for you either. Not, so, no. um, all, I also I just for people that like never watched, never watched the anime, but like are just, I don't know, looking for that. I mean, I don't know if they have like an itch to scratch. If they wanted to, they could watch the anime. I, yeah. I, I don't know who it's for really, but it's, it's, it's for just stock. It's for Netflix's stock. It's for a lot of it. It was number one. It's for a lot of people. A lot of people are loving it. I don't know why, but yeah, they're eating the shit up. Yeah. Hey, I mean, prop um, to whoever likes it. I mean, more power to you. I will just, uh, along with, you know, piggybacking on one of our episodes or whatever. I just, I'm not going to say much about it, but I will say just to throw it out there in your guys haunting in Venice review. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh God. Just to say that. You love that movie. You love that movie. <laughs> I, I <laughs> almost as good as deliverance um (laughs) exactly um, well so just to say that because you guys had i think you both said you hadn't seen the other two or did jacob see no yeah so you're correct we have not seen either (laughs) your ratings for a haunting in venice and i get it you're you know you're just going in watching this movie that's what you give it that's totally fine Mm -hmm. your ratings for the other two like we're talking like half, like you got to be giving these a half star because they are so much worse than a haunting. It <laughs> like, like if you watch them in order, you get to a haunting in Venice and you're like, oh, this is actually pretty good. This is like we're actually on real sets. I mean, you know, yeah, sure, maybe he's going hard on the Dutch angles, but at least there's some atmosphere here. Mm-hmm. Death on the Nile. I, I I challenge you to watch Death on the Nile. I would. I I can't imagine you giving it. If you give this a two, I can't imagine you giving that anything better than a one. It's so that bad. seems that seems like the worst one to me by it, far. It is bad. That's on the Nile. Murder on the Orient Express. I'm like I never was interested in it before, but I could see being mixed on it. But yeah, uh, 
like I'm not going to rate Haunting in Venice based off of those two. I got to I got to base off of everything else. And it's it's probably a heavy two, if anything, probably could go up to a two and a half. But that's fair. Yeah, just for what it was going for and what it was doing, it was not was not for me, which is that's fair. I mean, my my three point five, I think I said was it's probably a three, but I have to give it more than I gave the other two because it's so much clearly better than those two. (laughs) Yeah, I think Matt talked up. Yeah, I mean, Matt is just he's a fan of cinema. He likes everything. Yeah, I I would love. It's what I aspire to be. Honestly, I just want to love everything. Yeah, I mean that that's the goal. I mean, if that's if that's how you can make it work, like if every movie you watch is like amazing, like that'd be awesome, (laughs) right? um okay anything else that you're dying to talk about no i think that about covers it all right well if you want to hear brad's thoughts on any other films obviously check out his show cinema speak great show um i think that about wraps us up here uh next week we have a banger of an episode coming to you it's going to be a double feature of saw x and the creator Mm. with potentially some more special guests so stay tuned for that you're not doing the um Saw Patrol, Paw Patrol, and Saw, the double feature. Saw Patrol. I pushed for that really hard. Um, no one else bit, unfortunately. So we got to settle for the creator, I guess. Um, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Brad, why don't you give us some plugs? Tell us where people can find you. Yeah. So it's the Cinema Speak podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to shows. We're on Twitter or X at the Cinema Speak, Instagram Cinema Speak Podcast, and on YouTube as Cinema Speak as well. Hell yeah. Well, thank you again for uh, filling in for me, really saving my ass, saving the show's ass on this week. But uh, yeah, great to have you anytime. Hey, it was, I'm happy to be here. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you guys want to send us a question or comment, you can email us at sudsandcinemapodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at sudsandcinemapodcast. I'm on Letterboxd and Untapped at the KG Project. And thanks for listening. Cheers, guys. And thanks for listening. Brad, come on. Oh, uh, and we'll catch you next time. No, bye guys. Right? No, cheers guys. Okay, well, cheers guys. Cheers. And thanks for listening. Cheers guys. Good job. All right. God damn it. <laughs>